Hey, everybody. Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that lead us to a crossroads where we have to choose one path or another. Join me as we dive into our guest's turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made The 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. Like, it sounds like cross colors. It sounds like lugs boots. It sounds like Fat Farm. Yes. Yes. It sounds specifically like 1997 through 2002. Yes. That's so great. No, I sent I sent Jared Landon. I sent him these theme songs that I really enjoyed and like the energy that I wanted. And he created that. And it's so perfect. It was a da 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 I said, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know this. <laughs> Well, you know, I might have to try, see if see if we can work out a Michael Michael Kilgore rendition. We'll see. I don't know. You know. The Michael Kilgore version of the 180 theme song, the Michael Kilgore mix. Yes, the Michael Kilgore mix. The Mike mix. <laughs> well, you hear him already, but I'm so honored and grateful to have Mr. Michael Kilgore on the 180. Yes. Let me tell you a little something about Michael. Michael Kilgore is an R&B singer and songwriter, Broadway performer, and a 2019 American Traditions Vocal Competition Gold Medalist. His incredible skill as a performer has been seen on stages regionally and on Broadway. Notable moments include playing the witch in Barrington Stage Company's Into the Woods and his awe-inspiring performance in New York City Center's presentation of Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World. Television audiences have seen him as part of the cast of Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert and The Wiz Live. His debut album, A Man Born Black, is out now and has received continued praise. The hit single, Let Me Go, from the album was recently nominated for a 2021 Grammy Award in the category of Best Traditional R&B Performance. Please give a warm round of applause, wherever you are, for Michael Kilgore. <laughs> Went on for very long. You got a standing O right there. Yeah, full, full out. So here on the 180, we play games. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is In the Style of. Okay. Because you're a singer, couldn't help but make the game a little something about singing. We'll give you lyrics to a nursery rhyme and a recording artist to impersonate singing that nursery rhyme. Oh God, let's see if I suck at this. Okay, great. <laughs> My producer, David, has a list of divas or divos or all-inclusive divas. Divas. Divex. Divex. That he'll pick from to impersonate. And my job is to correctly guess who you're impersonating. In this moment, David, my producer, has decided that it's going to be a back and forth. So I have to do impersonations too. So, okay. That's fine. Oh, fabulous. Okay, great. So I won't be able to see it. Right. Okay, great. Right. So I'm going to get a nursery rhyme. And a person that I'm impersonating. And you'll have to guess. And yeah. Oh my God. This is going to be good. Okay. Ooh, I got my first one. Here we go. Hickory dickory dog. Is it Michael? Is it Michael? Um, it's not. It's not. Okay. Okay. I can, I can do better. I can do better. <laughs> oh, the mouse ran up the clock. 
Is it John Legend? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just had to do that. It's like he has a lot of, he does a lot of sounds. Right. Like, he's like, it's very that. Yeah, yeah. Now, Michael, I'm saying in the chat. Okay. I'm a little teapot. Sure. Short and stout. Oh, yes. Uh, Luther. Here is my handle. Yeah. Yes, Luther. The you know, yes. It's sig- signature. Signature Luther. Okay, and now like there's a little bit of sweat on my back now. Just nervous. <laughs> okay. Oh gosh. Okay. See, watch. See, see, doing one is fine, but then when you get to the second one, it's like, do, does it all just actually sound the same? Okay. So here's my next one. This old man, he played one. He played knickknack on my thumb. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> with a knick-knack, paddy-whack, give a dog a bone. Is it Rihanna? Uh, no. I'm just, I feel like I'm, because I'm looking at you, I'm like, I'm whatever I am, see him this, dancing. This hip gyration. He was, he was giving you like an island wine. Yes. Okay, it's island. Okay. Give a pedal a bone. Shakira? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty sad. I apologize to Shakira and all her fans. The thing is, it's really hard because Shakira has three voices. I ooh, you're right because there is that like ooh, and then this. Uh, yeah. that's what I was. She to has do. she has three voices, so it's kind of like if you don't do them all back to back, then what are you doing? Then it's like it's hard to know. Okay, all right, you're next. Okay, oof. Okay, London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down on me. Ah. Uh, Well, yes, that 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 uh, whistle tone attempt, um, <laughs> uh, but also, but not only that, but that like that, yeah, Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey. Yes, okay. I was like, let me just, let's change the melody a little bit just to give it right because I want to do early era Mariah, but that mm. no, I had to give you late Mariah. It's just a little light whisper, uh huh, light whisper and fast, fat, quick light whisper. Yes. Okay, it's the last two. It's the last. Okay. okay, okay, here we go. Humpty, Dumpty, Senor. Britney Spears. Oh, no, close, close, close. Um, I gotta do a little more. Humpty Dumpty says, oh no, whoa. Humpty Dumpty has a grateful. <laughs> all the king's horses and all the king's men. Prince? Yes, yes. Couldn't put together again. Yes. Oh my god. I was trying to figure it out. Yeah, that, that, when you when you brought it down, I'd be like, hum de dum how to fall. But then I almost would have said Tony Braxton if you did that. Because she's good at that. See, well, hum, hum. I would no, I would have given you this if it was Tony Braxton. <laughs> Which is also my Michael McDonald, so I suck at this. <laughs> Oh, this is actually really hard. Uh-oh. It's super hard. Oh, I'm nervous. Oh, this is like impossible. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 uh, I'm trying to think. Right, because the melody is key. It's tricky. It, the melody is key. Oh, God. I'm going to, no. He was like, do you want an easier one? No, I want to try it. Let's see if we can do it. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's, oh, God. Oh, God. 
Oh my goodness. God, I, I see that you hear it. You just. The itsy bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. <laughs> Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Ooh. Out came the sun and tried to fall the rain. And Ooh. the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. Oh, that was, that was it. Oh God. Um, Oh God, it's it's Janet Jackson, and like oh. she's like such a hard voice to do. Yes, that's so true. It is because it's like this light whisper, and then she like, but then it's loud, but it's talky, right? Like, give me a beat. It's right. like that's you know, but then to sing it, it's like because I was like, it's not I get so lonely. It's not right. we go deep. It's not that actually you know, was really like what you did was really good. I think it was eighties Janet. Right. It's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the only thing, and I, I I had to do this once, a Janet Jackson impersonation, and the thing that gave it away was I did a giggle. If you would have done it, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a busy spider at the water spout. I didn't quite hear the note that time. Yes, yes. Down came the rain. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, let's give you one more and just do the Michael Kilgore rendition. And if you insist, I'll impersonate you, but I don't know <laughs> if you want that. <laughs> I don't know if my if my sense of self-esteem could take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dave is going to give you a, a nursery rhyme to do as the Michael Kilgore rendition. The Michael Kilgore version. Yeah, the Michael Kilgore mix, which we'll look for the 180 theme. Michael Kilgore. Yes, Mike Mix. <laughs> Mike Mix. Okay. The itsy-bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Mm-hmm. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. And the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. Oh, now can't you see? There's all this water poured all over me. Yes. Just let me go. Ah! <laughs> Grammy nominated song, Just Let Me Go. Yeah, just take me to the Bronx real quick. Just like beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, for, for playing here on the 180. Uh, that was a lot of fun. You know what? I'm trying in my old age to stop playing games so much and to be real, but like this is the kind of games we should play. These are the kind of games we should play, you know? These are these are the good games. Not, not the not the other games. Mm-hmm, yeah. I made a 180 from those games. Hey, you caught that? Hey, man. Hey, hey, yes, yes. Thank you for the play. Shata. So I'm going to just ask you some questions to get to know you a little better. If you, Michael Kilgore, musical performer, musician, singer, actor, could live inside of one musical for the rest of your life, which musical would you choose? Oh, God, to live inside a musical. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like most musicals, like, you would not want to live in. Right. So much. Oh, man. Like, the, the circumstances, especially for, like, a black person. <laughs> First of all, it would be lonely. Oh, that's... It would be very lonely living inside a lot of these musicals. That's very true. Like, to live inside just the musical world. Uh-huh. Oh, God, this is tough. Because I was going to say Motown, but then it's, like, it's not, like, happy endings for everybody. Right. So, like... <laughs> So that's tough. Right. I mean, I love Into the Woods. Mind you, the Into the Woods is like a musical about death. It is. So no, don't want to live in there. You were the witch. You slayed that witch at Barrington Thank Stage you. Company, right? Yes. Thank you very much. But you know, like I die. Right. right. <laughs> so the witch evaporates or whatever happens to her. That is a very tough question. I, I, 
Um, I I think I'm maybe thinking too hard about it because I'm like, if I'm if I have to live my whole life in this thing in a musical, right? In a musical, um, maybe Legally Blonde. Okay, that sounds fun. Perhaps, mind you, the problem with Legally Blonde is it's like, where are all the live people? <laughs> I feel so all alone. Where is it? Right. Yeah, I think that's the musical. But I'm sure it would be, you know, happy. It would be so happy. I'd be at Harvard. Like, you know what I mean? It's like upper echelon stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Right. You know, so that like, that makes me excited. And I feel like I would have been friends with Elle. Mm -hmm. We would have enjoyed so much. I will say that the the thing about Legally Blonde that I don't think, that I don't talk about often is, I think it's cool that she like really likes girls. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's like so in like a lot of times it's like you, you hear like it's like as a gay person, it's like guys like, you know, I don't I don't really hang around gay guys like that because it's too much drama. It's like, no, it's you. It's mm-hmm. you. Because gay guys are great. I'm one of them. Hey, we're great. Great. And so like I hang I hang out like it's like we have a shorthand. So I love when like women hang out with women mm. because it's sort of like, oh, so you're not toxic with women. Great. Right. That's a good sign to me. Yeah. And we see a lot of women being toxic to women on Mainstream television and you know yeah. and all the housewives and it's and all like stuff. it ain't got to be like that right. and you know so that's why I'm I'm always like it's always exciting to me when I see like you know a group of like gay black men who are like our friends mm-hmm. and it's like I know how to be friends with men yeah I ain't got to be catty queer. and uh, yeah all that stuff all the extra yeah I'm still teaching myself not to be catty I feel like that's like it's like a hard it's really hard because you grow up learning what it is to be gay by like watching TV. Mm. And it's like people being quick-witted. And now the shows are different. Like right. it's not, you know, it's not the gay person being the butt of the joke all the time. Yeah, I was like, oh, to be gay is like, you have to be funny. Right, 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 right. And, or like and people ready, are going to like you. Yeah, a quick tongue. Yeah, hot attitude. Yeah, you got to be really quick-witted and you got to, there's nothing wrong with that because those, baby, those people <laughs> get the party going. Yes. And I love them. But I was like, I ain't got to do that. If I, you know, yeah, because I don't know how to do it and it always be light. Sometimes I do it and it'd be like, oh, you really hurt my feelings. And you'd be like, I'm just so trying I'm to keep like, up. I was trying to be funny. Right. And they're like, well, bitch, you actually broke my heart. So congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Congrats on that. Oh. Another question. If you had a time machine, would you go back in time or into the future? Into the future. Into the future. Why would you go deeper into racism? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's like you know what? It's not racist enough for me here. Let's let's go back to the sixties <laughs> when they really will call you the N word to your face. Let's go. Let's go back. You're right. I mean, that is that is a wild. I mean, I'm sure someone would find a reason that they would think that's okay. But yeah, people are like, oh, I like the fashions. It's like people who say I voted for Trump because of his tax policies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? So you're gonna ignore all the, everything else? Great. Everything good else. for you. Right. Okay. Uh, well, what, is there anything you would hope to see in the future? Like you said, that you said the future immediately in, in terms of race, I understand. But is there anything that you're like, oh, it's the future because... Oh, one thing I'm really hoping to see is like people not having to come out anymore. Mm. Like, yeah. I would love for it to be like, oh, I brought my boyfriend home. And they're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you, Greg. Right. And it's not like, you're gay? It's just... Uh-huh. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. It's just sort of like, it is what it is. Yeah. I actually am one of the worst kind of gays because I just assume. Mm-hmm. Like, if I think you're gay, you're gay. <laughs> until you do something that's like, oh, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, you're straight. Okay. You're right. Gay until proven differently. and Like, I just... Until proven straight. I assume everything, like, I just assume it. And, like, I let that person... I let that perception be my reality. Until like we get to a point where, because I'm not gonna ask you, uh-huh. you're gonna just 
you're going to tell me by the things you do. Right. You're going to be. So you're going to be. And that, you know, and maybe that's good, but I don't know. I don't know. I just know that that's, that's kind of what I do. I will assume you're gay. And I talk about sexuality with people as if everyone is like at the same place as me. Uh-huh. So I one time I was like, oh, is that your boyfriend? And he was like, I'm not gay. <laughs> I was like, I didn't. Right. I didn't mean it offensively. I just. You didn't know. I just wanted to know. Yeah. I just had no idea. And then they're bad. And then like a few months later, they're gay. But um. <laughs> You were right all along. <laughs> Indeed. So I'm going to ask you some more questions about like career. Is there a moment in your life, like early in your life, when you felt affirmed that your voice was something special and uniquely gifted to you? Like I was in middle school. I actually can pinpoint it. I was in middle school and I used to sing mm. um, at lunch. We would sit outside on like picnic tables. I grew up in Florida, so it was like sunny and beautiful all year. Nice. And if you made good grades, you were allowed to eat lunch outside in my middle school, which was like mm. everybody wanted that. I feel like the teachers weren't like patrolling us, you know, when we were sitting outside because it was perfect. Right. So I sat there and I was always me and a whole table full of girls, you know, <laughs> just just real hot gay shit. <laughs> Um, and sitting at the table and we would sing. And one day, like a group of boys came over. Mm-hmm. We heard you can sing, sing something for us. And it was real aggressive. <laughs> and I was like, drumming my pain with his fingers, mm. singing my life with his words. And like saying the whole thing. Yes. And that's, I assume that song, that was when the Lauren Hill, you know, the, the, yeah, the version. So yes. everybody loved that song. I made up dances to that song. Don't don't try to call me old, bitch, okay? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Well, I, I know. Could you imagine if it was like, oh, you know, when uh, the original, right? That would be fucked up. But um, yeah. <laughs> just the Fugees, no, 90s. Yeah, just the Fugees, the 90s. So I sang that and then they, um, it got quiet and they were like, Oh man, you can sing. Oh man, and it turned into like a, a thing. Wow. They're like, "Do you know this song?" And I was like, "No." They're like, "Can you learn it and sing it tomorrow?" Wow. So like, I would basically come and be the like jukebox <laughs> for for lunch. Wow. And like, I literally would like eat my lunch fast and like be prepared to like wow. for people to come up and ask me to sing. And like, it would be like a crowd. And then like teachers would come and like stand out and be like, and mind you, I wasn't in choir. I was in band. Wow. I played the tuba at the time. Really? Yeah. So middle school? Mm-hmm. And were you in choir anywhere? Like, I mean, church or anything else? Or- yeah, I always sang in church. I grew up in church. So um, I was singing in church and um, in school, just playing the tuba. Wow. And, you know, I got to high school. And then a choir teacher in high school was like, why aren't you in choir? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't have room in my schedule. And he literally went to the band teacher and said, you have to share him. So I need him one day a week in choir and one day a week in band. And because of the band I was in it was at the same time as like the top choir mm. which you have to audition to get in he was like well i just want you to inquire so you just come you're in the top choir now wow and it was like a time at the time it was like a big deal because freshmen aren't allowed in that choir it was like and they, they brought me in right you were the exception bitch i was the exception to the raw yes yes now that's amazing and and given that you played too because i didn't i didn't know that i assume that breath control that you needed to play the tuba helped you as a singer as well. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it did. I, I, honestly, like, I never thought about singing as, like, some special thing that I did. Because I was actually going to be a band teacher. I was like, oh, I'll teach band because oh. I can keep music in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I started singing in choir. And it was, they were like, because I wasn't really introduced to classical singing. I remember being very little. 
and seeing Carmen Jones and thinking that was an opera, mm. which, you know, The Root is an opera. Yeah. So you saw the movie or you saw... The movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I told my, um, I think it was second or third grade teacher, I want to be an opera singer. And she said, why don't you do something more realistic to your background? Oh. And I feel like that kind of just like blocked out. So rude. That's just my book. It was very that. And I kind of blocked it out until I was in high school. And I was like, well, classical singing is something I can do. And then I was like, I'm going to be an opera singer. Mm. And by the time I got to college, I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to be a, a choir teacher. And I wanted to teach middle school specifically. Hmm. Then I got cast in a musical. And that was all she wrote. Right. That was all she wrote. <laughs> I was like, this feels right. <laughs> this is who I am. Oh, yes. this, is this is me. <laughs> I was about to go into that Oscars performance, but I we don't have the time. I feel like we can move on. Yes, you're right. I think so. So we actually touched on this a bit. Growing up singing in church, sometimes f- folks feel like they're interested in singing professionally, but they don't need to understand the more technical aspects of music theory. Has understanding music theory been important in your journey as a performer? And is there a moment when you felt like it was most critical? It helped me to use the tools in my toolbox. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... A lot of people call the theory the tool, but to me, the theory is the manual for the tools. Because mm. there are a lot of people who can pick up the tools and just kind of figure it out. But for me, I have a quicker way to like understand how the tools work because I've had so much theory. And more than theory to me, it's like technique is the thing that has been mm-hmm. really important to my to my career because... You know, you can take some music home at night and like drill it and then come back the next day and have it memorized and learned. And it's not about who learns it the quickest. It's about who learns it the best. Yeah. Truly, when you're like in a show. Yeah. But for me, it's the technique because it's very rare that I'm going to be like, I'm calling out because I've lost my voice. It's like, no, I've learned how to sing in a way that I can keep singing. Yeah. And I'm really serious about the maintenance of my instrument. I understand how unique it is Mm -hmm. to... um be able to do what we've done, you know, be on Broadway, sing in shows, do like eight show weeks, that sort of stuff. It's, it's unique and it's athletic stuff. Like, you know, you got, you have to be at a certain level to, to do it at the level every time. Yes. And I'm really thankful. I give a huge um, thanks to Florida State University, to Mm. um, Professor Larry Gerber, who was my voice teacher, my, my time there. I mean, he was so instrumental in creating the thing that I do right now, you know, and, you know, and to my major professor, Dr. Fenton and Mm. everybody there, you know, I, I, I'm a huge believer, not just in college, but in education. Yeah. You know, so for people who didn't go to college, like get you a good voice teacher, get you a good, you know, dance, you know, teacher and all that sort of stuff. Of course. Right when I want to talk, here come the fire engines. The fire engines. The fire engines coming to interrupt me. <laughs> but I'm very thankful to to my training, and yeah. I'm a I'm a huge um, believer in training and technique. And can you tell us a little bit about maintenance, your voice maintenance, either things that, practices that you do or ways in which you try to maintain and strengthen your voice? I'm gonna help everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Hydration. Yes. It's the beginning. It's the end. There's no way around it. Drink your water. Keep yourself hydrated. Mm. And also read about singing. Mm. Look up pedagogy. Having voice lessons is like big for me. I love, I mean, I don't take them every week, but I 
try to keep a schedule of voice lessons so that I'm I'm having someone, you know, check under the hood. Yeah. All the time. And you're exercising the muscle and you're yeah. strengthening it and you're playing. Yeah, and also make sure that the everyone that everyone around you can't be enamored with your gift. That's good. <laughs> you know, cuz it's like if everyone's just enamored with your gift, they're not listening in a way that's like mm. appropriately critical. Yeah. Like I want people to go, okay, there was a little bit of tension there. Let's, what can we do about that? Because mm-hmm. I know how to create the sound, but it's like, I don't want to just create the sound. I want to do it in the healthiest way possible. I am learning how to do this in my life and not just in my singing, but like mind my words when it comes to the production of my sound. Mm. I really want to use words like make, ex- like not even make, but allow and expansiveness yeah. and relaxation. Like that's what singing should be, you know? Like when people are like, you know, lower your larynx. It's like relax the larynx. Mm, yeah. You know, that intentionality around for language. Spa- make, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, th- I think that there are um, a lot of us, especially in this kind of fake news, what is it called, alternate facts mm. kind of world, that are forgetting that words are really powerful. Yeah. Like what you say creates your world, and if I'm speaking relaxation and allowance. Allowance and expanse and mm. breath and all that. If I'm speaking that, then that's what comes out. If I'm speaking push, mm. then push happens. Yeah. And we don't want to. We don't want to push. We want to allow. So that's like the transfer from like voice to just real life for me. And and like the more I'm like living life, the more I'm. I feel like I'm a better steward of my gift mm. because I understand how unique it is you know and i think everyone's voice is unique um and you you have to treat it like it's that special like if you lost it it would change things mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. that was deep i wish i had a gym drop sound i don't know exactly what a gym drop sound would but you, would you drop some gems drop. it would be like boom. <laughs> right 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 people <laughs> be like wait what, what was that what Something was that well? something just, just like boom right Mm, what just fell in Eric's apartment? I don't know. Or you should be like, mic drop. Like it has to say something. <laughs> just be extra obnoxious. You say something really deep about mic drop. It would have to be. It would have to be that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, this is really the legit a tangent. My mother recently, in a group text she received, someone wrote mic drop, and my mother was like, "Well, I guess you don't want to talk about it anymore." And I was like. What do you mean, mommy? And she's like, "Isn't that what that means?" She she wrote mic drop, and I said, "No, it's kind of like, oh, I made a big statement, like, ha ha." And she didn't understand. She just thought it meant like end of conversation. Oh, <laughs> right, exactly. I was like, no. it kind of does. I mean, it, it just context. I was like, because she was talking about something. Yeah, they were watching an award show together, like one of her friends, uh, and so she was like, "No, she was lip syncing mic drop or something like that." And my mother was like, "Oh, I guess she doesn't want to talk well, about it anymore." Well, fine, <laughs> right, right. She was completely. You were like, "Mommy, no, 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 no. It's like, not. It's not that." Right. I was like, "No." Well, well fine. <laughs> mic drop me. <laughs> right. Exactly. She was offended. I was like, no, no, mommy, that's not what it means. And for the next 10 years, they never spoke. (laughs) Right. Because of a mic drop. Wow. That's a story. There's a story in there. There is a story in there. Write it. Write it. (laughs) (laughs) Write it. Yeah, I guess I got to get to writing. Is there a moment, uh, a transitional moment, a moment when you had a 180, a moment that you were at one place and you decided, you know what, I want to turn things around? Uh, This pandemic really is like, I think 
the most, I mean, there are probably other times in my life, but this is the closest to my mind. Yeah. And like, I started this pandemic and like right before it started, March 14th, my boyfriend broke up with me and it was horrible. Wow. And like, Ooh. there were reasons and like, there were good reasons. It was just hard because we broke up and then we went into isolation. Right. And I had to do a lot of searching myself because I wasn't. I wasn't the kind of man that I wanted to be for him. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and mm-hmm. and I realized if I really want to be in a relationship, if I really want that life, I got to change my behaviors. I got to do the behaviors of somebody who wants the life I say I want. Yeah. And it was it was a very slow one eighty <laughs> turn. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And I'm and I'm still like trying to get all the way around. Yeah. I had to truly, and it's. It is heartbreaking. It still doesn't feel good. Mm. But there's so many things I had to release and I had to acknowledge. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where the 180 is because you're faced away from stuff so you don't have to look at it. Ooh. And I had to kind of turn, I had to look into the truth of myself. Yeah. So the, you know, the 180 was going from like ignoring to like full acceptance yeah. of like, this is who you are. This is what you've done. This is how you've behaved. You have to deal with that. You can't ignore it. You have to deal with it mm-hmm. and then work through it and then, you know, and make a decision on what you want to change. Some stuff about myself that other people don't like, I like just fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not changing it. Yeah. There are other things that I'm like, I would much rather make these changes than to continue to be like this. And that's, you know, that was what I was, what I've been doing um, during the quarantine. And it's, and, and then you were, and, and I will tell you, like, I have to keep reminding myself that I like myself healthy. Mm, yes, that's powerful. You know, I really like it when I'm healthy. I really enjoy it when I'm healthy. I enjoy it when I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it when I eat the right food. I enjoy that sort of stuff because, you know, I trick myself into believing, like, the treat is the bad thing. Mm. The treat is the good thing. Right. Like, I treat myself to incredible cuts of meat. I treat myself to really fresh vegetables. I treat myself to two hours of of walking and, like, listening to a podcast and, like, burning calories. I treat myself to that. Mm -hmm. I don't treat myself to sitting on the couch. Right. That's not a treat. You know what I mean? I don't treat myself to to McDonald's. Uh And, like, I don't mind McDonald's. And I'm not a person who's against it. But that's not the treat. Right, right. Um, You know, McDonald's is, like, what I do when, like, there's no – when the options are few. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, you know, whatever. But, but like, the treat is what kind of world are you living in where you can go to your kitchen and cook for three hours to make a meal? Yeah. That is such a treat to have three hours of life Mm -hmm. to focus on that. And then to make with your hands, to make sure it's seasoned exactly how you want it yeah. seasoned, to make sure it's cooked exactly how you want it cooked. So when you sit down, it's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge treat. You know, I and I'm now changing my mind. I'm on that 180 trip where I'm going, you know, let's treat myself to real goodness. Like yeah. I have a, a my best friend, she's like, I am gonna do everyday luxury. Mm. Like she, you know. She's like, I eat on good plates. I, yes. you know, you know, I I only buy top shelf. And when I drink a cocktail, it's not because I want to get drunk. It's because I really am enjoying the flavors of mm. what I put in there. She's like, I don't drink 
She's like, I don't drink, you know, whiskey and ginger ale. I don't drink that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, if I'm going to drink, you know what I mean? And I, I have no problem yeah. with it. But like for her, she's right. like, when I drink, I do a cocktail, I'm like, I'm making a cocktail. She's in there cooking. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. In a glass, you know, and and I I really understand that because, you know, you that's, a, that's the part of self-care that I've gotten very into in this time that is about like not just maintenance but like i deserve the best Mm, mm -hmm. you know like why can't i have the best why can't i take the time that's needed you know and it really i mean i think this whole moment kind of started with people going crazy over maxine waters reclaiming my time right right when you You know yes yeah but it's not just me but like her saying her doing her saying it Mm. and then the global conscious going you know what actually it is my time and you don't get to overtalk my time. Mm. You know, like you're trying to run the clock out with your bullshit. Yeah. And I won't let you do that. I love both those things. The idea of reframing what a treat is um, I think that's really, really unique and and smart because so many people think of the treat as the thing that allows me to be the most lazy, the most indulgent, the most. But it's like no, a treat is could be really honoring what you deserve. Yeah, and and honestly, like when and like indulgence, I think mm-hmm. as a treat is good. It's not often treats are not right. everyday things. You know, like a treat is something kind of special. But like being lazy isn't a treat. Yeah, laziness to me comes from exhaustion. Mm. Like when you're full of energy, you're not you're not gonna be lazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're only lazy when it's like I only I only have so much left. Yeah, you know that's when the reps start looking sloppy. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. When you start the workout and you're going and the form is great, it's like it's near the end where you have to push past your laziness. Yeah, it's a big conversation, but like. If you're talking about 180s, like that's been the biggest thing is this time like sitting with myself and having to sit with myself, mm. you know, and it's it's the 180 I don't think I would have done without yeah. coronavirus. So, right. so thanks quarantine for like forcing me to be alone and forcing me to deal with myself and, you know, make appropriate changes. Yeah. I'm definitely in the same boat. This This podcast came out of me being alone and lonely and exhausted and having to look at myself and saying, well, what are, what are the things you chose? And how can you choose differently? Baby. Mm-hmm. It was the feeling of loneliness where I was like, I don't have anybody to call. Mm. I chose this. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I have so many people in my life, but like, I will be honest, I keep people at an appropriate distance. Mm. And sometimes the appropriate distance is not quite appropriate. Mm. Sometimes it's too far. Yeah, yeah. Away. And that is that's something that I'm I'm dealing with. Mm. I'm like absolutely dealing with it and learning from it and growing from it. Yes. That learning and growing and the willingness to do that learning and that growing. Cause some people just sit still and whine, complain, you know, but being willing to um lean forward into growth is so important. Thank you, therapy. Hey, hallelujah. Yes, yes, a ding for therapy. Your album includes a song called For Zimmerman. Every once in a while, I hear the Baltimore. Oh, come out of my... And you went, <laughs> Cleeds. And I said, yeah, there it is. Ah, and Cleeds. 
<laughs> yes, there's the Baltimore. There's the Baltimore. The song for Zimmerman, which talks about the man who shot and killed Trayvon Martin. There's a clear choice to speak to social justice on your album. How did you decide that? And at what point in the process did you decide that? For Zimmerman was a song that took me a really long time to write it because I wanted to write something for Trayvon Martin. I'm from Orlando, which is very close to Sanford, which is where this all happened. So it felt like it was in my backyard yeah. um, when it all went down. So I tried to I started writing that song like right when Trayvon Martin was was killed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't figure out a way to get in to the song when it was Trayvon, Trayvon, Trayvon. Mm. And then I thought, oh, what if I write it from George Zimmerman's perspective and wrote it to just unearth the like truth of how silly racism sounds? You know, like the first lyric, cold-blooded murder in the rain. You'll never get to see your baby again. He looks suspicious. You know the saying, you fooled me once, you'll never live to do that to me again. These punks get off most every time. Who thinks I'm guilty of a crime? And like taking some of the words from his own mouth. But like the idea that like this was, I get it. It's the way the justice system works. But like, what was this trial really about? Like, it was a murder. And it was clear. Very clear. You know, and the idea that like you can kill someone in cold blood without really any reason and then turn the, the murdered into the villain. Crazy. I was like, this is a very American idea. Mm. And I wanted to turn the mirror on the listener and say, you know, who are you? Are you the person peeking through your blinds, looking at it, going, what a shame, but not taking a stand? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like living in New York, it's been so eye-opening because I'm from the South. And in the South, everyone thinks New Yorkers are cold and mean and right. that sort of thing. I've been on the train so many times where someone started some mess and somebody else on the train was like, hey, stop that. Mm-hmm. Just complete strangers. But they're like, we, we don't do that here. Yeah. And to me, that kind of boldness is lacking. Mm. You know, I grew up with that kind of boldness. I grew up with, yeah. you know, I don't care whose child you are. Right. If you act enough, you don't, somebody going, you don't cut up in the street. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and it's not about like, you know, whooping somebody or that sort of thing, but it's just sort of about, we are each other's responsibility. And that idea of like making a song like that was so important to me because this is the world we live in. And I'm responsible to this world that like whatever art I leave behind it has got to speak to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I can't do an album about living in the in the ghetto. I've never lived in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, but that honesty. That song is so suburban mm, because he was yeah. walking through the burbs. Right. Where he was fully allowed to be because he lived in the burbs. And for some reason, seeing a black body, even a young black body. And and at this age, I look at teenagers and I was like, I don't care how rough and tough you think you are. I can see the youth in your face. Mm-hmm. I can see the youth in your carriage. Yeah. Don't nobody move like a 37-year-old, but a 37-year-old. Right. You know what uh-huh, I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. like, so you can't, you, you can't put on age at 15 years old Mm -hmm. to try to make me feel like you're grown unless you're looking through the eyes of racism Mm. where like a black body is grown way before it's time Mm -hmm. because you think that somehow we don't bleed the same we don't hurt the same we don't experience life in the same stages that white people experience them yeah we we go from from infancy to toddlerhood to childhood to adolescence we do the same thing y'all do mm-hmm. so how dare how dare you 
Um, I mean, and it, I mean, it's a powerful song. And the fact that your album is named "A Man Born Black" it speaks to, like you said, we are a community, and and there's a certain responsibility um, that I think your work imbues to the community. And I just think it's it's beautiful. With all of the songs, there's a sense of that it's not just you know, it, it, it's it's love. There's lots of love, but there's also love and taking care of community. As a, as a part right. of the album. And I was like, you can't have the art without me. Mm. And, you know, and from every aspect of it, the t- the album title is A Man Born Black because I wanted people to have to say A Man Born Black. Yes. I have done so many so many things with, like, white people hosting, white people um, involved. And, you know, and I think it's great because I want this music to be for everyone. And I love hear- them having to introduce it as a man born black, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because you can't have the art without me. Yes. And like my queerness is in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. My history of, you know, Christianity and, and black church culture is in it. Everything is in it. So you cannot excise the art from my blackness, my queerness, my my Michaelness. Like you got to take me. Yes. With, with the art. And, um, you know, that's. It's been so great to do it because, you know, being in theater, I'm, I've had a really wonderful career and I've gotten to do incredible things. And it's been tough to sometimes be in rooms where they want your brilliance and they don't want you. Mm, yes. You know, they want you they want you to come in and sing. I know I was actually just asked to do something and they were like, oh, they need someone to come in and sing Sylvester. And I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, because I because I already know how this goes. It's like come and sing a really high note and, and act a fool right. and then stand on 12 for the rest of the show because we have to find a way to hide you mm. because you're special. And we you know we want to make sure that your moment gets you know really highlighted. I go, then if I was so special, then you need to write the Sylvester musical. Right. Don't put me in the musical where Sylvester comes in and is magic for, for three minutes and then doesn't exist for the rest of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing that you know I'm excited to see theater come back again. Because I'm excited to see which black people were lying and which black people were telling the truth. Mm, yeah. Because some of us made a big old stink during this quarantine. Yes. And I'm excited to see the ones who run right on back right. and want to do business just as it was done before. And I'm going to go, great. So you lied. Mm. And you tried to make all your white friends feel bad because you wanted to feel superior to them for a moment. Good for you. You got to feel superior to them for, for mm, a month. Six weeks, right. and now you're back clawing and scraping and begging to have your close proximity to whiteness. Yeah. Great, good for you. But I am hopeful that it's going to be more people going. You know what? I've realized that like I can do life without it. Mm, yeah. So if I come back to it, it's going to have to be of a better benefit to me and to my community and to what I represent. Yes, you know what I mean. So. So Broadway, you, you got some explaining to do. Yeah, you got you some know, explaining this, to when, do. And, you got some explaining to do. And as you know, people of color, as black people, we're also responsible to continue to hold folks accountable and not go, not allow for it to go back to business as usual because it can't. It can't. That's absolutely, ridiculous. absolutely. But it's up to us to to hold their feet to the fire and uh, not just accept what we're given. We're beyond that. Oh, yeah. So I uh, wrap up with a quote. So I'm going to say this quote and you let me know how it how it hits you. My happiness grows in direct proportion to my acceptance and in inverse proportion to my expectations. That's from Michael J. Fox. There is a, um, a great gentleman named Tim Alex, mm. who I did Motown the Musical with. And he's one of the most hilarious people on earth and great spirit. But something he says... 
that sticks with me is he's like, you know, don't be so expectatious. Mm. And it's like a word he made up. And I think it is great because I feel like when I don't expect for things to work out a certain way, um, it gives God the opportunity to do God's magic. My only expectation is of myself. Mm. I expect that I'm going to come in, do good work, give my all, you know, and that's what I can do. And and if I get less than what I feel I deserve, then I don't return. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That no. Yes. Being able to say no. Right. I just say no. And, and that gives me so much joy. I accept that that's where you all are mm-hmm. and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't be there. Right. Great. I accept that. And that brings so much joy. Yeah. Because I know I made the decision that was best for me. And because my expectation was only that I would honor myself, I feel like that's a good place to to like leave your expectations. It's like to the place where you're like, I will honor me. Mm. And if you cannot do that, and if you aren't willing to do that, then I will exit stage left. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Michael, message. Uh, you have dropped gems. You have hit notes. Uh, this has been so, so, so much fun. And thank you for sharing the 180 and many other lessons that you've had throughout your time on this earth, throughout your career. I must say that one of my favorite moments of seeing you on the New York City theater scene back in the day when the Movement Theater Company was newer yes. was when you performed... At our Put It In A Love Song event, um, you sang Black Is The Color Of My True Love's Lips. And I still like, oh, yeah, your rendition of that song blew me away. Black Is The Color. Oh my gosh, yes. I I really love that song. I actually loved it because it's one of those things that's like older than dirt. And then when you flip it, people are like, (gasps) just something as simple as going, Black is the color of my true love's hair. His eyes, and they're like his. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh. <laughs> Spicy. Yeah. So that's that's why I chose the future because I because I want to say his in the future and people yeah. be like, oh, okay. Right, right. And it not be <gasps> uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also I'm looking forward to a time where it's like we don't have to put black naked men on stage for things to be exciting. Mm. Amen to that. They can stay dressed. <laughs> Yeah, not fetishizing, exoticizing. That's not fetish. Yes. Yeah, we're like, black men are not exotic. We're not. Uh, We're here. We're everywhere you look. There's nothing exotic about seeing a black man. Y'all just want to, you're stripping them. I mean, first of all, the bodies are great, but everyone, it's Broadway. Everyone's bodies are great. So it's like, so we're going to take everybody's clothes off? (laughs) No. I I love that we went from. Black is the color of my true, but, but it's the future, the future, because of the future. But that's the future, right. because of the future, right. you know what I mean? So it's like, as much as it's like cool to like kind of be subversive, Right. I mean, I'm looking forward to the day when like the simple stuff, these like high, like top layer stuff, things like our skin tone, mm. our sexuality, it's not subversive and it's not exciting. Right, right. Even for black people, even for queer people, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, great. This is like the mundane. Yes. Ugh. Well, thank you so, so much. I want to make sure our listeners follow Michael on Instagram at Michael Kilgore. So Michael is M-Y-K-A-L and then Kilgore, K-I-L-G-O-R-E. And be sure to purchase or stream or purchase and stream 
his Grammy-nominated debut album, A Man Born Black. Truly, I've listened to it many times. It's so beautiful and so... From from you know knowing you, it's so you, and I'm I'm so proud of how you were able to, as you discussed throughout the podcast, pour all of you into this project. And I know it was a, a long time coming; it was you know in the works for a while. So yeah, yeah, people are like it took you forever to make this album, and I was like, would you like to write me a check or <laughs> or money order? Which would which would you like to do? Uh-huh. It took a long time, but like. It's like soul food. Mm. You can't make soul food in twenty minutes. Right. There's no microwavable soul food. Mm-mm. It takes a long time. You gotta, you know, you gotta clean the greens. You gotta cut the greens. You gotta cook the ham hock. You gotta like things gotta be done if you want to taste the way you want it to taste. And I and I'm mm. thankful that have we, all the seasoning. All the seasoning. We I took my time and it's seasoned up, baby. Yes. This it's a meal. Yes. And I'm really thankful that like you know I got to start as this musical theater boy. And now the music industry is really opening its arms to me as a soul artist. And, you know, I I want to be the prince of soul. If Aretha's the queen, I want to be the prince. Hey, all right. Well, we manifest on the 180, just so you like the real talk. And so many episodes, we're like, okay, so this is happening. So Michael Kilgore is the Prince of Soul. It is Grammy Award winner Michael Kilgore is the Prince of Soul. Yes. <laughs> yes. We it is affirmed, so it is, it is so. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, Michael. And uh we will follow you. We will be cheering for you for the Grammys. And I'm so excited for all that the future holds for you in your career. Thank you so much. And this is such a great space. Congratulations. I'm so glad that this beauty came out of the chaos that was this quarantine. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly and digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com, the180pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180.